today on this Easter Sunday. So I'm going to get into the message here. And the message today is going to be from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. John, chapter 11, 1 through 44. Let me read this passage for us. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciple, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, 
come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God. Easter Sunday is the day that churches around the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Two days ago on Good Friday, we remembered his death upon the cross and his sacrifice to wash away our sins, to, to, to enable us to be able to receive forgiveness, a forgiveness that we could never gain through our own merit or our own efforts. And Easter Sunday is about what happened two days later when the tomb was empty, when Jesus was raised from the dead to newness of life. It's a day that churches around the world celebrate, and it is a joyous day. But resurrection is not just about one day out of the year. Resurrection is not just about something that happened 2,000 years ago. Resurrection has a tremendous amount of relevance for us today, right now. But it's easy to miss what resurrection is really about. And and there are two things I want to point out this morning from this passage. Two ways that we misunderstand Jesus' resurrection. And what ends up happening is that we don't really experience it because we don't get it. Because we misunderstand Jesus' resurrection in two main ways from this passage. Now, what are those two ways? The first one is this. The first one is this. We think that the resurrection is all about now. That's the first mistake we make. We think that the resurrection is all about now. Why why do I say that? Well, Mary and Martha, um, they sent a message to Jesus uh, saying that Lazarus was ill. Now, when we go back to verse 5 here, it says clearly Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Like Jesus was full of love. But in, for some particular reason, he really loved these three, and they felt it, and they knew it. In fact, um, they knew this so much that when they sent a message to Jesus, they said, Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. So for them, they're thinking, well, Jesus loves Lazarus so much, what he's going to do as soon as he hears that Lazarus is sick, and, and not let alone sick, but he, terminally ill, he's going to come right away in order to heal him and make him better. Because that's, that's what you do if you love somebody. 
you come and you heal them, especially if you have the power that Jesus does. Their expectation was that if Jesus loves us, he's going to come right now, he's going to get on a horse and rush over here and heal Lazarus. He's going to take away our pain. He's going to take away the problem of this sickness. But the crazy thing is, it says here that because Jesus loved them, so when he heard this, he stayed two days longer where he was. He didn't go. He not only didn't go, he purposefully waited an additional two days before going. But it says he loved them. So he waited where he was for two additional days. That doesn't make any sense to us. If you love somebody, why would you wait two additional days? Well, there was a reason for this. For Mary and Martha, love meant taking away their pain and their problems right now. For Jesus, love meant something very different. When we look here at this diagram here, with this timeline, we have the present where we are now, and we have the future over here. And in the present, we have pain. We experience pain. We have many problems, like Mary and Martha, and we want Jesus to come and to heal right now and to take away and to take away our pain and our problems. But what Jesus does is he says, No, I'm not going to take it away because I want you to experience something more. I want you to experience the resurrection. I want you to experience something so much more than you could if I came and I healed Lazarus right now. Because if I came and I healed Lazarus right now, Lazarus would not get resurrected. You would not see Lazarus resurrected. And you would, you would just, you'd be so thankful that I healed him and I made him better, but you would miss out on something so much greater that I want to do. And what he wanted them to understand was that he was not only the bread of life, he's not only the water of life, he's not only the word of life, as we've been seeing through the book of John, but that he is the author of life itself. This is what he wanted them to understand and to see. And in fact, Lazarus' resurrection pointed forward. It was a sign of Jesus' coming resurrection and how he himself would be raised from the dead. You see, for God, love meant delaying. For Mary and Martha, love means coming right now and fixing my problem. For us, we want resurrection now. Resurrection, my relationship with God, means fixing my problems now, God. But for God, he says, no, because I love you, there are times in life I don't take away the pain. There are times in life I don't take away the problems because I want you to experience something more. I want you to experience resurrection in your life. This is what happened with the Apostle Paul. Think about it. When he said in 2 Corinthians, he said that there was this thorn in his flesh, something painful, a thorn in his flesh. And it says that he prayed to God three times, please take away this pain from my life. Take away this thorn from my life. But three different times, God didn't do it. And God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. God didn't take away the pain. Because God wanted Paul to experience dependence upon God and to grow through that. That's what happened in the life of Abraham. Abraham, when he was 75 years old. Oops, let me go back one. Can we go back one to Genesis 3 there? 
Abraham, when he was 75 years old, God told him that I'm going to make your descendants like the sand of the seashore, like the dust of the earth. Abraham was 75. But you know, Abraham didn't have his first child, Isaac, until he was 100 years old. And his wife, Sarah, was 90. 25 years later. God, why couldn't you do it right now? I'm sure that's what Abraham was thinking. That's great, God. I'm 75 already. Let's get the show on the road right now. I can't wait any longer. But instead, he waited 25 additional years. Think about that. 25 years of trying and being disappointed again and again and again and wondering, is God really going to keep his promise? Is God actually going to give me a child? But eventually he did, 25 years later. And and what God wanted to do in Abraham was to grow his faith through that time. And, And look at how much Abraham's faith grew. In fact, Later on, after Isaac was, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years old, something like that, God told Abraham, bring Isaac onto Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to me. And what did Abraham think? The author of Hebrews tells us that Abraham figured that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Look, for Abraham, this was a crazy thing that God told him, sacrifice your son. But Abraham didn't go, well, then how is God going to fulfill his promise to me that that my descendants will be like the dust of the earth? How is God going to do that if I kill my son? Abraham's faith had grown so much by this point, by seeing God give him a child at 100 years of age, that he said, you know what? God's going to do it somehow. I, I think the only way I can think about this is God's going to raise Isaac back from the dead. So he's probably going to do that. He had a resurrection faith by that point because of the pain and the waiting that he went through. God did these things so that they could grow in dependence upon him. They can grow in faith upon him. Friends, if if we think that God's main job, if you think his main job is to fix all of your problems and to take away your pain in life, that's going to lead to two things for sure. The first is this. You're only going to go to God when you have problems. That's the only time you're going to pray. That's the only time you're going to cry out to God is is when somebody's sick, is when your job is on the line, is when when your finances are in trouble, is when there's something, there's problems with your friends. The only time you're going to go to God because you're used to going going to God when you have problems. That's going to be the only time you go to him. The second thing that's going to happen is this. When God doesn't take away the pain, which he doesn't always do, you're going to accuse God of not loving you, like Mary and Martha. If you had been here, if you had been here, you could have healed him. Look at how he loved him. Couldn't he have healed him? When Jesus came into town, Martha ran over to him. Mary didn't even go. She was probably bitter in her heart. Why didn't you come? Because if you love us, you would have come. Those two things will happen if we think resurrection is all about right now. You're only going to go to God when you have a problem. And when God doesn't heal or he doesn't take away the pain, you're going to accuse him of not loving you. And this is what's going to happen. You are going to miss out on the resurrection experience that God wants you to experience in your life. 
you're going to miss out on the more that God wants to do in your life if we don't understand this principle. You know, we could look at this, we could say, you know, Jesus, that's so cruel. Letting Mary and Martha suffer like this and, and letting Lazarus die. How could you do that? But you know, honestly, if I were to, I can't speak for Mary and Martha, but I do believe, even for Lazarus, that in retrospect, they wouldn't have had it any other way. I, I believe that with all of my heart. That if you were able to, 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 you know, get a hotline to heaven right now and to talk to them, and you say, would you, would you rather Jesus have done it a different way? Would you rather him have get on a speeding horse and get there and heal Lazarus so that he never died? I bet you they would say, you know, it was really hard. It was really difficult losing my brother. And Lazarus is saying, that's easy for you to say. I was the one who died, right? It was really, really difficult. But we got to experience resurrection power in the life of our brother, in Lazarus' life. And not only that, we got to understand who Jesus was in a way that we did not before. We thought he was just some political ruler. We thought he was maybe just some miracle worker. But he is so much more than that. He's the author of life. And in fact, it's helped us as the church for 2,000 years have a clearer picture of who Jesus is. They experienced the glory of God. Friends, the mature mindset is one that says, that prays like Paul did in Romans 8, that says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. What's Paul saying? He's saying that even when God doesn't take away the pain, when he doesn't fix my problems, I believe that he is working in the background, that he has a plan, that he is doing something for my glory, that he is working for my good, that he has a plan that maybe I don't comprehend, I can't completely understand, but I believe that he is working, and I believe that I'm going to experience resurrection, that there is going to be growth, there's going to be deliverance, there's going to be power that comes through this difficult experience, that I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but God has something for me on the other side. That's the mature mindset. And the mature mindset is able to pray a mature prayer. The mature prayer doesn't say, God, fix it now. <laughs> fix it now or else. The mature prayer says, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my will. Not fix it now. But God, fix it in your time. Or maybe that fixing will come at the end of time when you return. I don't know when it is. But not my will be done but your will be done. Friends, is your understanding of Christian life, of how God works, what our relationship with him is supposed to be like, is your understanding of the resurrection that resurrection is all about now? If it is, you will, you're not going to hold on and you're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life. That's the first point. Now, the second point is this. The second misunderstanding that we have is this. Resurrection, not only do we think it's all about now, the second problem that we have is that we think resurrection is all about later. That's the second problem that we have. If we look here, going back to Martha, his interaction with Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Let me just say first here in verse 22, um, this isn't Martha filled with faith that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead because 
Just a few verses later, Jesus says, roll the way to stone. You remember what did Martha say? Don't do it! There's going to be an odor. There's no faith there. right? She did not think Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I think what she's saying here is that, you know, you let us down. If you'd been here, you would have saved Lazarus. But, but I still know that you have this special connection with God. I think, I think that's what Martha is saying there. Now, Jesus said something in verse 23 here, very interestingly ambiguous. He says, your brother will rise again. And then Martha, she has two options, right? What's Jesus talking about? Is he saying, your brother's going to rise again right now? He's going to raise him from the dead? Or your brother's going to rise again in the future, at the, resur- at the final day when God returns? Martha chose the latter. She chose option B. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know, Jesus. I know, I know. Thank you for consoling me. Thank you for that trite consolation. (laughs) I know, Jesus, I know God's going to return one day, and there will be the resurrection of the dead, and we'll all be with God in heaven, so we'll wait for that day. But for now, we live in sadness at Lazarus not being with us. I know he will rise again one day. And then what does Jesus say? He drops the bomb on her, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. I am the resurrection and life. It's not something just for later. It's not something just in the future. But the resurrection is here, right now, with you, in the form of a person. You see, he said here, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He's talking about the flesh there, our bodies. Our bodies are going to die. They're going to fall apart. But if we believe in Jesus, our bodies will live again. So when God returns, your body that's in the ground or wherever it is, is going to be resurrected. It's going to be reconstituted in a glorified new form that will never get sick again. You will get that eight-pack that you have been dreaming about. That weird mole will no longer be there by the power of Jesus. I can't guarantee that. Maybe the mole is a part of God's art. But you're going to be in this glorified new body. That's what Jesus is talking about there. That is the future. But he also says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. There he's not talking about the body. He's talking about our spirit. He says, if you believe in Jesus, you live now. Your spirit has been resurrected. Your soul has been resurrected to live with God, and it will never die. You see, when your body dies, like the blink of an eye, your soul will then be with God. Your soul is alive now if you are in Jesus and will always be with Jesus. It will never die again. Jesus is saying that's the reality now as well. Friends, do we make this second error about the resurrection? We think resurrection is just a concept of one day. One day, God will return, I know, and I'll be in heaven with him. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, yes, you will be with him forever in heaven. You will be resurrected. Your body will come out of the grave but is it just a one-day thing with no relevance for today? Jesus says to Martha, I 
am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is here right now with you. So the second thing that Jesus wants us to understand here is that resurrection, not only is it a thing for the future, but resurrection is also something for the present. It is here in the form of a person. It is here in the form of the power of Jesus Christ. And you see, we, we, we neglect this, this power that we have right now, resurrection that is the power that is available to us right now, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, and he said, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What Paul is saying is that that incredible resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us now, today. Friends, that means that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have power, not one day, you have power today. You have power now, power to overcome addiction. You have power now to forgive those who have hurt you. You have power now to, to work towards a, a healing, a broken marriage. You have power now to not just pursue everything that everybody else around us, around us in Silicon Valley pursues, to not be overcome with materialism and just live for money and material things, but to live for the kingdom of God. You have power now to be able to live for Jesus. Is resurrection all about later for you? Jesus says, I am the resurrection, and he is here with us now. Lastly, let me say this. In verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. Now, this is the shortest verse in the Bible by the translators and the people who came up with this version of the Bible. Two words, shortest verse. And they made it that way because they were so overwhelmed by the idea of this God weeping with us. And here's the last thing, last point that I want to make. That in Jesus, in his weeping, that when he saw the tomb where Lazarus was laid and his heart was filled with sadness over the death of his friend, it shows us that Jesus walks with us in our pain. Can you, can you, you know, you know how crazy this is when we think about it? If I were Jesus, I would have just showed up and said, hey, hey, guys, put the Kleenex away. No worries, no worries. Watch what I'm about to do. I'm about to raise them from the dead. Jesus knew what he was about to do. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. What's he crying for? What are you crying for if you know you're going to fix it? And Lazarus is going to come out with the bandages and everything, and everybody's going to be cheering. It's going to be this amazing miracle. What are you crying for, Jesus? But Jesus wept. It, because it says something to us about who our God is. That he's not aloof. He's not disconnected from the reality of our pain that we walk through in this life. But he is very present in it. That he is the God who is fully God, and he is the God who is fully man. Who, as Hebrews says, 
experienced everything we experienced, yet was without sin. He was fully man. And he experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. He experienced tiredness. And he experienced mourning and weeping because of the brokenness and the pain in this world. What does that mean for us here as I conclude? We are definitely here in the present right now. And we live in a present where there is pain because of sin, because of the brokenness of this world that we live in. And there are problems. And God doesn't take away all of these problems in our lives because He wants us to experience something more. But He gives us the power of the resurrection to be with us. So what we find that in this present, we experience pain and we experience problems, but God gives us power to be able to walk through this pain, to be able to not lose our faith, to be able to walk with Jesus through it. But it's still hard, isn't it? It is still hard. God doesn't give us so much power where we say, nothing affects me. Oh, somebody I love died? No biggie. I'll see him in heaven. Things affect us. Things hurt us still. That's the world that we live in, in the present right now. But we have a God who comes amongst us and He weeps. He weeps with us. We want a God who will take away all our problems. Or we want a God who will give us so much power that our problems don't phase us. We get neither. But we get a God who weeps for us and with us. You know, this was really amazing for John's readers, the readers of the Gospel of John to hear, to hear John say this. Because what we have to remember is that the audience for John's Gospel are Greeks. It's, it's a Hellenistic culture, a Hellenistic background, right? And, and William Barclay, the theologian, he put this really well. He said this, and I, I concluded this, to any Greek reading this, and we must remember that it was written for Greeks, this would be a staggering and incredible picture, Jesus weeping. John had written his whole gospel on the theme that in Jesus we see the mind of God. To the Greeks, the primary characteristic of God was what they called apatheia, where we get our English word apathy, which means total inability to feel any emotion whatsoever. If you go back, maybe you're Remember your ancient philosophy, Greek philosophy, Stoicism? Remember Stoics, not feeling, being apathetic? How did the Greeks come to attribute such a characteristic to God? They argued like this. If we can feel sorrow or joy, gladness or grief, it means that someone can have an effect upon us. Now, if a person can have an effect upon us, it means that for the moment, that person has power over us. No one can have any power over God. And this must mean that God is essentially incapable of feeling any emotion whatsoever. The Greeks believed in an isolated, passionless, and compassionless God. What a different picture Jesus gave. He showed us a God whose heart is wrung with anguish for the anguish of His people. The greatest thing Jesus did was to bring us the news of a God who cares. Friends, as we celebrate the resurrection today, the empty tomb today, 
let it not be just a theological concept. Let it not just be something that happened 2,000 years ago. Oh, the tomb was empty, historical fact. Let it not be something for 2,000 years from now, when Jesus returns, whenever it is that he returns. The resurrection will come one day. But the resurrection is present today in the form of Jesus, in the Holy Spirit within us to give us power as believers to walk through even the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that our Lord is with us. He weeps with us. His heart breaks for us when our hearts break. And it is the greatest display of his love for us that we can ever imagine. Let's pray together. I'll invite the worship team up at this time. Um, can we just stand together at this time as we respond to the Lord? Uh, please close your eyes with me in prayer. I want to please take a moment to think, do you fall into one of those two errors or misunderstanding? Do you think God is really just about now? And, and you can analyze your life. Do you primarily go to God just when you need something, when the going gets rough? He's just your, your fixer. Is that, is that when, you, when you run to him? Do you get disappointed when he doesn't answer? Maybe have you, have you given up on God because you felt like, oh, he doesn't answer prayer? Or is resurrection all about later for you? Oh, I'm a Christian, sure. I know I'll go to heaven one day. But there's, there's no relevance now in the power, resurrection power at work in you, according to Ephesians 1, to really live as a disciple of Jesus, a life of sacrifice, a life of, of really loving others as yourself, a life of putting the kingdom of God first, a life of overcoming addictions and sins and walking in victory. Easter is about victory through resurrection power. Let's come before the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I want to know you today. The God who is present, resurrection power present in me to be able to walk with you and experience you. Maybe some of you just need to know that Jesus cries with you in your brokenness, in your pain, in your loss, that he is not ignoring you, that it doesn't mean he doesn't love you because he didn't answer your prayer, but to say, God, help me to be able to see and have the faith to know that you work all things for my good, that I can trust you in the valley of the shadow of death, that we will emerge on the other side, that I can trust you and that you're with me in the weeping. Or maybe today... You've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You've never prayed and said, Jesus, I believe that you're God and that you died on the cross for my sins and that there is no other way to salvation except through you. I can never earn it. I can never be good enough. It's, it's by grace alone what you have done for me upon the cross. That was it. And I come humbly before the cross saying, God, I believe. Forgive me and wash away my sins and let the power of the Holy Spirit come into me and raise me to newness of life to be able to walk with you. Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray this day. So Lord, we just pray right now, would you come? 
the ever-present God, the God who is so real and with us. May your resurrection power and presence be in this place right now, God, to touch our hearts, to change our lives, to encourage us, God, to fill us with your spirit, Lord, and to help us to experience more of you, to experience more of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just bring our hearts to him in whatever way that you think you need to respond, whatever way God may be touching your heart. Let's come to him. Let's bring our hearts to God, and then the worship team will lead us into worship. Let's pray together.